Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Joe Kelly should have cheated. He wouldn't have gotten suspended had he just cheated. Oh, he got more punishment than the Astros. Baseball saying we are going to stop this right now. Stop throwing at the Astros. Take this up next year. You can bite it. Kiss the ring. Take it up with Rob Manfred or go kick rocks. Don't start none, won't be none. I had to find a way. Either the Rockets. <laughs> oh, man. If you went to the funeral, why didn't you eat at the repast? You could have that cornbread and potato salad. You could have ate them greens and that hummingbird cake. But no, you want to get fancy. You're NBA star. You want to go to Magic City and eat wings. You want to eat out. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You roll. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you have joined us and you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. No, not really. But thank you so much for tuning in. We have a great episode coming up for you. And I'm going to give you a rundown of that in just a moment. But first and foremost, again, welcome. I don't know how you found us, but I do want to remind you guys, you can find us on any platform in which you find your podcast. And we want you to subscribe, to like, to comment, to be interactive. Whether it's iHeart or Spotify or Apple Podcast or Stitcher or whatever, Pod World, whatever, whatever platforms, uh, TuneIn, SoundCloud, however you found us, we certainly appreciate that. And if all else fails, you can go to the WadesWordProductions.com website. That's Wade's Word productions all one word wade's word productions.com and subscribe to the email list and go to the sports talk with devin wade page on that website and listen to all each and every one of the podcasts even the one that wasn't good <laughs> i mean or i'll say the ones that fell short in the fledgling days of this podcast the ones that weren't up to the standard of what we've established is as the uh, the norm these days but nonetheless you can go there wagesworldproductions.com and of course we want you to be interactive on the phone lines as well you can call the sports talk with devin wade sports line 24 hours a day at 832-941-6614 that's 832-941-6614. Leave a comment, question, any of your thoughts, uh, any thoughts you have, and we will include those in the We the People segment of the podcast. So definitely you can do that 24 hours a day. 832-941-6614. Also on social media, on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group, and of course on Twitter at Wade's Word. So all of those ways and more are ways to get involved. So this time out, uh, we are not going to do a lot of features. We have a couple of very important conversations. We have from the special teams unit, our guy Eddie Robinson, former NFL linebacker and a regular on the show. You know, I call my special teams unit. Those folks who participate frequently on the podcast, it's my group. 
Biscuit and uh, the Silver Fox and Eddie Robinson and Daniel Ewing and Terrence Harris, all of those guys that partake and participate in the program. Uh, we have him coming up in the second half of the show. But in the first half, we have a conversation with former, I guess, I don't know, he's in the presidential purgatory, I guess, from the XFL, from the Houston Roughnecks. The former president, Brian Michael Cooper, will join us to talk about what else? The Rock. The Rock and his acquisition or pending acquisition of the XFL. And what does that mean for the Houston Roughnecks and for the rest of the league? So we talk about that and a few other things. We also have our resident DJ. DJ Anarchy in the mix, on the mix, doing his thing. You'll hear him at the halfway point. Want to remind you guys that if you want your music on the podcast, it doesn't matter the genre. It doesn't matter if you're a DJ. We will play a portion of a mix at the halfway point and then you got an extended portion at the end of the podcast. Or we'll play a snippet of a song and the entire song at the end of the podcast. All you have to do is email us at music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. So with that, let's get into some headlines well we won't get into a lot of headlines but the nba is going well everything's going good the rockets have a big game tonight the los angeles lakers have clinched the number one seed in the western conference so i mean i guess they'll have their logo up in the bubble more than any other team i guess we'll see how that goes but that's done uh, other great competition and what's fun What's fun about the NBA these days is that you can check out games starting at like 1230. They're games throughout the afternoon. So if you're still having to work from home or if you're still sort of quarantining, which fewer and fewer are, <laughs> then, then, of course, you can catch some NBA basketball, some Major League Baseball, hey, Major League Hockey, uh, Major League Soccer. National Hockey League, NHL is going on. They tend to go late at night. So it's a lot going on. And I anticipate it being like this now and maybe when football kicks off. We don't know. Things keep shaking out as it pertains to well, players opting out of the NFL season and all of those good things. So not a lot going on, but a lot going on. Uh, nothing this time out that we'll get into. Want to get you straight into the conversation with Brian Michael Cooper. Want to say this. Uh, the Rock purchased the uh, – from went to bankruptcy court or whatever and bought the XFL for – uh, $15 million. He and his his group, which is, I think, his ex-wife and, and someone else. And I think we'll get the details uh, from Brian Michael Cooper on that. But, uh, yeah, so The Rock is doing his thing. Now, I have to admit, you guys know. Well, maybe you don't know. But if you listen to the Houston show, you know I don't do wrestling. I mean, ever since... Uh, uh, I guess uh, Wahoo McDaniel and, <laughs> and Kamala and, and all those guys shit it down. Junkyard Dog. I left wrestling when Paul Bosch left wrestling. Now, if you're not from Houston, you don't know that reference. But Hacksaw Jim Duggan and uh, Gino Hernandez. See, since then, I didn't, I didn't, I remember WWF. And I certainly didn't go along with WWE. So I, you missed me with a lot of wrestling. But. Again, you uh, you can respect the uh, the work of one Dwayne Johnson, who played for the Miami Hurricanes. So he has a passion for football. And, uh, of course, uh, we'll see how this transpires with his acquisition of the league and if they'll be able to continue. 
Uh, also, when we have an opportunity to talk to Eddie Robinson, we'll get into some. I know he's going to want to talk about his Yankees, and he's a Euro sports nerd. So I'm going to let him see. This is the only reason why he avails himself of being a part of the podcast all the time. Not so he could talk about the NFL. Played 11 years in the NFL, maybe longer than that. 11 or 12. How many years he played in the NFL? He he doesn't come on here so he can talk about football. He wants to talk about uh, bicycle racing. He wants to talk about uh, what the film Formula One, Lewis Hamilton. So we'll give him a chance to do that in the second half. And of course, as I mentioned before, we have a Lamont Award. That is for the big dummy of the podcast. But right now, let's get into our conversation with Brian Michael Cooper, formerly from the Houston Roughnecks of the XFL. For more content, go to WaysWordProductions.com. As promised, I guess former president of XFL franchise, the Houston uh, Roughnecks, the football team that really took the city by storm in the early part of this year, which seems like it was about 10 years ago. <laughs> president Brian Michael Cooper, how are you this afternoon? Devin, thanks, man. It does. It does seem like about 10 years ago. <laughs> it, I mean, it really, uh, I, it's hard to fathom that, yeah, this was this year. This actually happened. I, <laughs> With, I mean, it seems like an eternity ago. Uh, that and, and like Kobe Bryant, like these are the two things that would have been major stories for 2020 had not for a global pandemic. But how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing I'm doing well. You know, I'm just you know, everybody's been safe and sound here. And that's been the biggest thing. And just trying to uh, work through, uh, you know, working in this in, in this COVID nineteen world now. Yeah, and, and I want to start by really your title. Are we uh, are we saying ex or former? Or what <laughs> what exactly are you in XFL purgatory? Where are we with this thing? <laughs> so actually, I've returned to my law practice. Actually, so actually, technically, I'm, mem- I'm a member of a of a law firm, a partner of a law firm now called Frost Brown and Todd, so, and, and former president of the Roughnecks at this point. So that's my I actually wanted to get with you before and do sort of a post-mortem because at the time it, it seemed like it may have continued and then shortly thereafter it looked like, okay, yeah, and then they folded and, and of course, laid off uh, most of the folks in the league. But, of course, there's relevant news with the purchase of the league in bankruptcy court by The Rock. Dwayne Johnson and his group put together a $15 million deal to buy the league back. Okay, you can put on your lawyer hat. What does exact what what does that mean exactly in bankruptcy court? What does he get for his fifteen million, and what would that look like? Well, I think what he's gonna, so what he's going to get initially is he gets he and I should it's him it's his ex wife and business partner uh, Danny Garcia and uh, Redbird Capital, and I think what they'll get is they'll get all the IP, they get all the assets of the league, they get all the things that come with the league, the kind of physical portion of the league and all the intellectual property that comes with it. And then that's where that's where it'll begin, right? That means then they'll they'll be basically be in the original position to start building out the league, investing in it. And that's, you know, and I think that's where the planning will come in. The next step will be um, just from a procedural standpoint, they've got to actually um, the creditors of this bankruptcy have to actually approve the sale uh, later this week. Um, they've filed an objection uh, to it right now, and you know, they want to see how the court, you know, how that shakes out with the court. But you know, I anticipate probably that the deal will go through, and then they'll close the deal. You know, then they, even if they announce it, you know, the lawyers got to get together and paper everything up, and then 
you know, towards the end of the month, probably towards the end of August or September, is when they'll really take over and they'll then they'll start the planning process. So they look to, I mean, by initial sort of comments, they look to ramp up and get started again in 2021, which it seems like a long shot, but they're talking about a bubble concept for the continuation. What do you think about that idea? Is there enough turnaround time? Is there enough infrastructure there to sort of pick up where you left off and kind of make this thing go? I don't know. You know, I think that it's it's an aggressive plan. It's challenging. Look, I, I'm not going to put anything past The Rock. Obviously, he is uh, or or, uh, or Miss Garcia and and Redbird. They all can. You know, they're all sophisticated business people and know you know know that know athletics and know and know the uh, and know the industry. But that said, I, I I think it's a little bit of an aggressive plan to try to for 2021 because. Yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces in getting teams back in order, getting coaches, getting, you know, even if you're going to do a bubble, you're going to have to get all of those things back in, a, in short order. You know, do you have a draft like we had last year when our draft, you know, consisted of drafting 70 people? I mean, that took two days to do, and it was a pretty extensive period. You had to you had scout players, you know, right now with the pandemic, it's been even hard for NFL teams to scout players. And so you got to do all those things that, you know, they kind of go into it. And I, I always caution people. I said, you know, I've been through, you know, this is my second go around. Is a, I was president of a G League team as well. And I always said, you know, the one thing that I think people forget about is sweating the small stuff in these endeavors. And because there's so many little pieces, you know, I used to talk about the front office being the duck, you know, the, the, the duck on the water where, you know, everybody sees the game itself and sees it. Yeah, it's really smooth. The coaches, the players you see watching the game. But you don't realize that there's hundreds of people, you know, like the, the legs flapping under the water. There's hundreds of people that are working in various capacities to make that happen. Media and so, ancillary businesses like getting your tickets and your sponsors and all that stuff together. And you're going to have to ramp all that back up at some point, maybe not necessarily in 2021, but you're still going to have to put a lot of that infrastructure back together in roughly four months. My, my thing in this is that I think that the great thing about XFL, what I would call 2.0, was that they had that two-year runway before, you know, between announcement and kickoff. And that took, you know, even even that two years came real fast, right? It, it, it you know, it went, you know, by, you know, we looked at, you know, they had this clock, kind of this countdown clock. And I came on board in May of 2019 and, you know, it just seemed like I blinked and it was January, you know. And so uh, I just think that it, my, my suggestion is that when they're putting this together is just, you know, just kind of be mindful of that timetable. And to me, I think you get opportunity to just kind of make sure you got the plan in place and, and get all that stuff together. It's a lot of stuff. So, um, you know, can they do it? You know, sure. Will it be pretty difficult to do? Yes. You know, so uh, if it just becomes a television product and you don't try to have fans in the stands just for this one year, how many of the ancillary kind of concerns can you eliminate and kind of expedite the process if you just say, hey, this is a made-for-TV product, we, you know, we're doing it without fans, we don't have to worry about ticket sales, how, can, how soon can we get it done that way? Well, I mean, again, then it goes back to, so you take the timeline, take, take away our business timeline, but take, take, let's take Coach June and his timeline. He came on board the same time I did, almost, almost to the day. He had to then go get his, build out his staff. That took a couple months. You know, then you, then once he got his staff in place, then they had to scout players. You know, we had a showcase of players in June. There were a couple of show more showcases later that year. So, I mean, even if you, you know, on an aggressive timeline, I would assume getting the just getting the coaching staffs back in place, that's going to take a couple months into what, October, November. 
And then, you know, are you scouting players simultaneously, you know, contemporaneously with that? So you're going to have to scout the players and figure out how, you know, are you, are you just signing players or are you putting the draft together? If you got to do a draft, the draft's got to have rules. So you got, you know, you, you may, it may be December before you're doing the draft. And we were in training camp. If you remember, we had our first mini camp in December for our, for our February start. So it can, look, it can all be done. I mean, you can, you could do all of that. Assume you come in with maybe like a January training camp, you eliminate the December mini camp, but you have your January training camp like we had last year and you get everybody in there for training camp and then just start the games. You know, if you're all in one location, you have training camp and the games just kind of start right after that. It could be done. It could be done. But I think that there's still um, and then on the on the media side, you're, you know, assuming that the media deals hold true. You're still going to have to plan and plot out how that media approach, content approach. You're still going to need social media. You're going to need content producers. So there's still some folks you can you could eliminate. I assume assume you can eliminate game day staff where you've got you know concessionaires, your ushers, all those things that you have related to the stadium. Yes, you don't necessarily need those, but you're still going to need the content providers and you're still going to need um, social media and all that stuff as well. And so there's a lot of there's still a lot of moving pieces that you want to have in place before before you before you get going. So Do you think that they are assuming that it's as simple as getting the band back together? Because if on the outside looking in. I'm looking at a league where there are no other opportunities. I would imagine all the guys, especially guys here in Houston, I mean, I'm talking about players and, and probably coaches yep. at this point. It's not like there's a mad rush to hire anybody in any industry these days. Do you think that they assume that they can just reassemble the, the sort of existing personnel that were there? I don't think they assume it. I think that but it raises a good point as to whether or not we, you could just simply – you know, could you just simply say, hey, look, this was the 50 man, 50 man roster uh, from the 2020 season. Let's reach out to those individuals and at least from a start say, hey, you want to come back? You want to let's tee this up again. That could happen. But, you know, as every team does, you know, do you do that? You know, if you do, you know, we were fortunate because we were five and oh and the best team in the league. Right. I would love to have you know, we'd love to have everybody back. I'm assuming that probably some of our counterparts would not, you know, would not, would, would want to make some changes, you know, to, if they were, they felt like they could do better. So do you have some of that? But I think, I think that if you could get those rosters back relatively quickly, then perhaps yes. You know, but you do, do you worry about having players that decide, you know, one, we've got a lot of players that went to the NFL too, right? So some of those players are not going to come back. Um, and do you have players who are entering the, the market, so to speak, you know, who you know didn't get drafted this year, but, but exhausted their college eligibility? Are they now capable? So you could, you know, if you could, if you could get the bulk of players back and tweak it, then perhaps, yeah. I, and I would just say again, I don't think they. I think that they. I think they know that it's a, it's an incredible undertaking. I think that they're not. I don't think that they're coming into this thinking they could flip the light back on. I think that they they know the new ownership group knows that this will be a a challenging task. But I think they may be up for the challenge. So that's you know that'll be that'll be that'll be. A, beneficial yeah and see i thought initially even before i even read the article just on the the announcement itself so well they will probably poise themselves to return in 2022 but again in their initial statements they're saying hey we're coming right back now here's the 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 question for you you've been a part of the energy here in houston you had a successful franchise on and off the field because the fan experience was tremendous the media attention the social media outreach everything went well under your leadership are you going to get back in the game 
if that phone yeah. call comes. <laughs> I, mean, I, think that's, I think that's the I think that's the question, right? It's it's the it's the if you know. I like I like I love what I did. Uh, I mean, there's no no doubt about that. And I love what we were doing here. I love my staff. I love June and his staff. Uh, we had a really great thing. I was you know I was really looking forward to. Uh, ring, ring number two. Uh, you know, I, I got in the ring with the Vipers, and I was looking forward to. We were, we don't, you know, we were gonna. I'm certain we were gonna go 12 and 0 and get that ring. And so, look, I love to see that all come back, and I love the fans. I mean, the fans. We had outstanding fans here. I mean, I think the most heartbreaking thing about what we were doing um, was that you know we had some, some. We had, we had the best fans in the league. I don't. I say you know, hands down. I mean, these, they, the tailgating. The, the care they showed to this team was it was just amazing. So, I, you know. It, Is that you know, a question I, for I your say, agent or a question for you? Are you going to come back? It's called. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see. But I think, you look, look I, I, I think at this point, you know, look, you know, I'll, I'll definitely take the call, put it that way. I, I, I think that there's no, no question there that uh, it's something that, you know, I, I care deeply about what happened with this team. And I thought that they – you know, so I would love to see what happens in the future. So. In, in many ways, it seemed like obviously that the first industry that was impacted by COVID was the XFL. Obviously, you'll be left to speculate about this for the rest of your life uh, and, and all of those involved with the league. But had COVID not hit so hard when it did, say, maybe a month or two later, would this league have been in a different financial position? Because they had already exceeded some of the initial monetary expectations, financial expectations for the league and, and attendance, I would imagine, as well. Had COVID not come, we wouldn't be in this position, would you agree? Yeah, I think that like, the COVID was a... You know, for a startup league and for a new venture, it just couldn't have come at the worst time, right? We were about halfway through the season. I think you're right. Had we gotten through the full season, you got playoffs coming up. I think we would have, you know, look, hosting the championship game here in Houston would have been phenomenal. Um, a lot of different things. I think that, yeah, I think that if not for the pandemic, I think that this league is going and going strong in 21. I mean, we had a season ticket. Our, even when we shut down, our season ticket, or we were approaching 7,000 season ticket holders, and we already had had, without even picking up the phone, we had about over 60% of them say, we get it, um, we're going to roll our season ticket deposits over to 2021, we're there for you, we want you to, this team to succeed. So, yeah, I believe that we came across something that most people, you know, the last time there was a global pandemic was 100 years ago. I mean, this isn't something that happens you know, every few years, and we just got caught in a in a very very bad timing. But I think the league was poised to do some really incredible things. I mean, we were doing great things in, in our market, Seattle, St. Louis, uh, the other markets, DC. You know, they were all. I mean, they were all of the all eight markets were doing some really great things. And I think that we would have made it through had we gone through a full season. When you guys were looking at it and sort of forecasting out, you guys really had great weather days coming up. It seems like the best part of your attendance would have come as we got into better weather and things would have sort of ramped up because a lot of people have now they bought into the league. They've heard enough buzz. They've heard enough about the fan experience to want to be a part of it. Do you feel like in that part, even with that, you missed out on some great days of attendance uh, because no, of the spring? No doubt about it. We would have, we were, so we had 20,000 in our last game against Seattle and we were expecting 25 at the game against DC on the 22nd. We thought that that was, we were already over half full for that game and we were two weeks out. 
And yeah, we were we were fully anticipating that, you know, particularly if we come back from New York six and zero, going into that game on a Sunday night game, seven, you know, going for seven and zero, potentially seven and zero and clinching a you know division title that night. Um, I think we would have, I think, you know, against a good team, you know, um, in, in DC. Uh, I think that would have brought, you know, I think we would have had a. I was expecting us to have twenty five thousand at that game on the twenty uh, second of March. So yeah, and I think that those, you know, going into March and April. Uh, weather is a little bit nicer, you know, they're both their evening games. So, you know, an evening, spring, evening night in Houston. Yeah, absolutely. I, I fully anticipated that we would have continued our trend on attendance. Um, and again, we have some just some, I mean, the fans have just been, the fans were just down for it. I mean, it was just great that the fans were, you know, it was word of mouth for some of it. The fans were telling their friends that they were having such a great time at the game and they were getting, we were getting more people to come out. What did you learn that worked the best for this league and the organization and what didn't quite work the way you thought it might oh it's good questions both of them good questions i'll start with the i'll start with the 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 good um i think that you know the the fan-centric uh mentality of the league where they wanted to give fan input uh was phenomenal and incredible most of the feedback we got when we were even when we did you know we started out small with you know a handful of people showing up at these fan events during the summer of 2019 and then they continued to grow but but overall they kept saying you know we just appreciate the fact that you're taking, you know, you're listening to us and taking our input into account. And that was huge. And I think building that goodwill takes so much time and, and, and it's, it's hard to do. I think a lot of times when people get into involved in these in sports endeavors, they think, well, I'll just show up and it'll, you know, it'll be all right. You have to do the, the, the hard work of rolling up your sleeves and getting out into the community and getting to know people and doing that grassroots work. And you have to know people in the community. And if you don't, you know, the community is not going to be there for you. They're not going to they're not going to support you if they don't think that you care about them. And so I think that was a thing that the XFL did in every market. I think the XFL did a very good job and all the other team presidents did an incredible job of getting out there, getting themselves known, getting with people, getting to know people. And so I think that was great. I guess to flip the, the corollary of that is to do more of that, you know, to do to, to do more of that. I think sometimes we get uh, a little bit bogged down in the analytics and say, oh, well, here's our target market and here's here's what the computer has said that we should be doing. I think that sometimes, you know, it's just good to kind of get out there and get to know folks, right? And I think that's, I would have just liked to do more of that in year two. And I think we would have done that. And our fans, the goal is always to me is like, you, you treat the fans right, the fans will be your brand ambassadors. They're going to be the ones who are going to go when they go to work the next day and say, yeah, I had so much fun at the Roughnecks game. It was great. You know, you guess you should come. You know, that's the kind of stuff that, that just kind of builds and builds. And if you build it the right way, you build such a level of trust and support that, you know, my goal was always that if we went two and eight or eight and two, our fans were going to be there for us. Um, you know, you can be 10 and 0, but if you treat your fans poorly, you know, as soon as you start losing games, you know, they're going to say, yeah, I got something else to do, you know. And so. That's what I think you have to build on. And I, I would just suggest that, in, you know, in any in a new iteration, uh, that they just continue to, to really, you know, build on that fan-centric, market-centric, community-centric approach. Now, without alienating anybody, <laughs> but I want, I mean, I'm saying, <laughs> so you know this is a question, a challenging question. So what could Vince McMahon have done to – prepare this league to I mean obviously no one anticipated this this is like I said in 1918 the last time but what could yep. he have done to ride out this storm and say okay we will 
what mistakes did he make? Because or did he just throw in the towel too soon? Because it seems like why did why did you just throw it away so quickly? What happened? That's the that's the that's the big question. I was going to say the sixty four million dollar question, but that's the that's the question. I I don't know. I think that say theoretically, right? What I would anticipated would have been that we would probably do what the other leagues have done and furloughed staff and looked to our partners to provide us with a little more time on making, you know, financial arrangements and then see what happens, right? And then, you know, it's, it, look, there's, uh, look, I, 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 you know, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty. So I, playing Monday morning quarterback is, is always difficult and, you know, and always a tough, a tough, you know, a tough job. Uh, and I was a terrible quarterback, but, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but I think that the time was so uncertain, right? It was so, we did, you know, you just didn't know what was happening. And I think what, what I would have, what I would have, you know, hypothetically. You're Vince McMahon. Uh, would, what, what do you do? You, uh, you take the hy- reins. Hypothet- hypothetically, I, I, I probably would have put a pen in things for 90 to 120 days and assess the situation sometime in June or July and said, okay, look, because, I mean, he, look, he was right to figure out that he, he just, I assume that he just felt he didn't know what was going to happen. If, for example, the NFL decided to, if the NFL decided that we we're going to kick off in October and, or November and suppose it's September, and so all of a sudden the NFL season gets moved into February and then, you know, with the Super Bowl playing in March, which still, look, by the way, that still could happen, right? I mean, the funny thing is that that could still have possibly happen. Well, then that eliminates a 2021 XFL season, right? And, and now you now don't have revenue from 20 or 21. So, so you've got that to think about. And then you've also got college football that, again, also could kick off in the spring. You know, what kind of – even for us in Houston, you know, we were fortunate that we didn't have to share the football stadium with U of H football. But let's say U of H football gets moved to the spring, now you've got that again, again, that similar dynamic where, okay, what do we do now? We get that, that, that throws off scheduling. So I could see that, but I think that to me, I would have, you know, it's, it's, this is just me. And again, I, like I said, I'm a horrible Monday morning quarterback, but I think that I probably would have put a pin in things for three or four months just to see what happens and then come back to it. And yeah, say, because, okay, look, yeah, I would imagine I, I, in St. Louis yeah. and in Houston, you had those corporate relationships that could have sustained themselves into 2021, I would think. Well, I think that, you know, being able to sit down with your vendors and just saying, hey, look, every, everybody knows what the situation is, right? They know that everything is uncertain. But I think if you were able to say, look, here's the situation. And again, this gets into the question of, you know, just having a great relationship with your corporate partners, right? It's again, it gets into that whole idea that I know. You know, you know the marketing, you know the people you're dealing with, and you sit down with them and just be bright and, and be and be transparent and say, look, here's what's going on. We have no idea what's happening, you know, in the in the in the sports industry right now. Can you give us a few months to kind of figure it out? We'll be there, right? We'll we'll be there together working on this. I think that most I think I don't, you know, I don't think you're gonna see many partners saying, No, I'm not, you know, I don't wanna do that. I think, you know, I, I always say this in business. This is my you know, people will laugh when they if they hear this because I say this all the time. I say, you know, you and I say this as a lawyer. I say, you know, you can have a three-year contract or you can have a 10-year relationship. You can take the letter of the law of the contract and hold us to it. And we can do the same to you. And we can have gotcha moments on, you know, aha, you know, you owe me this and that, you know, or we can call people up and say, hey, man, I know, you know, this is, you know, we've, we've got this situation here. Can you work with us on this? And nine times out of 10, They'll say, you know what, let's do that. And that's how you build meaningful, strong relationships, in my opinion. That's how you build 
um, you know, you build that level of trust with your corporate partners and with your vendors and, you know, and people who you trust that, you know, that you're going to do right by them. And so I think you can have those conversations with them, you know, and have, and, and again, in 10% of the time, you're going to have somebody who's going to say, nah, I don't want to, but you know, then that you're not going to have that long-term relationship with them. And so you've got to build your, your companies that way. If you, if you're, if you're looking for fight, on uh, you know if you if you want to you know win each you win a battle but lose the war it's not productive so and i think i think that i think the pandemic was a war right you know that that we can all say hey look let's not quibble over these battles let's see if we can work together to overcome this war basically right and so as is a guy who had and again i'm on the outside looking in and and of course i'm biased because i'm here in houston but would the Rock and his group turn to you early on to say, hey, you guys got it right in Houston. You are the guy I'm seeking advice from. Do you anticipate that you would be a, a, a voice that would be highly coveted and, and really sought after because of the success here in Houston? And, and in relation to other organizations within the XFL, uh, who was comparable to, to the success of, of uh, what the Roughnecks had here in Houston? Well, look, I'm, I'll answer the second question first, which everybody was. I I, I love every, each and every one of the team presidents. They are outstanding individuals. Each and every one had uh, a skill set that was, you know, I think we, we all, I think, kind of complimented each other. They did, they did some incredible things. I think sometimes people kind of look, you know, empirically at, you know, it's a startup league, and they're like, oh, I don't understand. You know, they don't have 70,000 people in the stands. I'm like, they weren't supposed to, but they're building, they, each of them were building their product in a, in a great organic way um you know look certainly there were there were you know some some ones that kind of you know got some more folks but all, each of those people you know i would i would you know run through a brick wall for every one of them all eight of them were outstanding so i would just say right then comparison wise they were all fantastic um with respect to the first part about you know I, like that's you know that's gonna be up to that's gonna be up to to mr johnson and miss garcia and redbird redbird you know they're i'm sure they're getting counsel from folks and i'm sure people are reaching out to them about counsel so uh, you can't underestimate their own uh business acumen uh they're both former athletes redbird has been involved in a number of athletic endeavors so i think they they understand what they're getting into and uh and i think they they're, they're going to put together a good plan and they they want to call me to ask about it sure but i think that they they're they're getting I'm sure they're getting some good guidance right now, too. So, so, so. A, a couple more things that I, I will ask you about before we let you get out of here. On the field, uh, some of the stuff with uh, with the kickoffs and the, the on-field interviews, those sorts of things sort of raised some eyebrows, and people kind of took to some of those things. Uh, the NFL, yeah, no, they kind of looked at some of those things. Uh, what worked on the field with the, the sort of the – uniqueness of what the xfl was trying to do with certain aspects of the game oh i look i think a lot of it worked they, they really put a lot of time and effort into evaluating what how they can make the game better and they did a phenomenal job the kickoff look the, to me i said this a year ago that the kickoff will be revolutionary i would be shocked if it, if not if in five years every level of football isn't using the kickoff i know they were going to do it at the bayou bowl i think this year uh, and if they if they have the Bayou if they had the Bayou Bowl they were going they were going to have that kickoff in this and, and the Citadel was using the kickoff so I think that they were there was going to be some some very interesting things happening there I think that the timing you know trying you know in, in the clock I think worked well I love the 
it made the extra points just outstanding. I mean, you could, you know, I remember we were in Dallas and uh, we were up by 11 and all of a sudden we were up by two. <laughs> like what, what just happened? You know, like, you know, I mean, that's not something, you know, that, that, that presents a level of excitement that you're not really, you know, you're not, you know, that we ended up pulling that game out, but it's still kind of like, wow, man, that's, that's a, that was a, that was a, a quick change. And I think it made the game a lot more exciting. And one thing you guys didn't get to see, which I think would have been phenomenal too, is the overtime. We didn't have an overtime game, but I was excited to see if we were going to have one because I think that would have really blown people's minds about watching that and watching that in a uh, – we did some of it in training camp, but I think once we had those games um, – What would that have know, looked had, like? So overtime was – it's a little bit of penalty kick in soccer. It's a little bit of college football and sudden death. I think it's all kind of rolled into one. We took basically all the great things about all the other sports and kind of rolled it into one. So, you, so what you had was – the teams are going to overtime. You'd have five chances to score, uh, to score, and and, and uh, each team would have five opportunities to score. And the winner then would, you know, after those five, you know, if it was three, two, or four, you know, however it was, you know, that team would win the overtime. And so when they were doing it in the training camp, you had, I mean, the players were really into it. I mean, it was it was probably the most exciting portion of the of the of the practice was watching them go through an overtime overtime scenario. And I think during a game, the crowd would have just loved it. They would have gone crazy. It would have because it, it was really it, it would have been so intense, you know, to see you know you have a one play to score and get your point. I, I thought that was going to be a, a really cool rule opportunity. And I think I hope to get this. I hope that you know if, the, if, the, if there's an XFL 3.0 that we'll get to see that because uh, it was it was it would have been really exciting. But uh, the kickoff, the kickoff will be if the kickoff isn't utilized by. High school and college in the next five years, I'll be shocked. And before uh, we let you get out of here, obviously, a, uh, I mean, the relationships you built uh, with the city of Houston, what do you say? Because I know we'll have a lot of fans, not only in Houston, but folks from around the country that will be listening. Uh, what do you say to the fans of the XFL? Because I know uh, you, you've been fan-centric from day one. You said it on KTSU. You said it with, with me several times. Uh, what do you say to the fans now? I just say, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm most excited for them. You know, I, I, you know, I want to see this come back because the fans were there from the beginning. The, this was, this was about the fans. The, the league's motto was fans above all, and I'm excited for them because I, I think that they, they, they got, they got a, a behind the team. They stayed behind the team, and you know, and and, and that loyalty. It's, it's hard to build. I think people kind of think that, you know, you can just kind of come in and flip a switch on. Fans are discerning and fans want, you know, fans aren't, you know, they, and, and particularly here in Houston, these fans are very, they, they will definitely support you, but they don't like it when, you know, if you, we come in and we give empty promises, right? And so I think for them, just being able to kind of come back and give them the product that they wanted and they, and they like seeing to me is just, the, is, is, it would be very exciting. If I'm if involved and I'm not involved, uh, I just want to see them, you know, I, my biggest thing always with this, and I, I leave you with this, was that, you know, I always remember my first time going to a football game. And I remember, and, and, and our thing was, I wanted to recreate that for a number of people in this city, um, people who may not have had access to various, uh, you know, events and things, and they were able to come to our game. And then they got that experience, and you gave them that 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 experience where they walked out of that stadium smiling. They had their first, you know, experience of a pro sports uh, event, and they'll never forget it. And every time I felt like, you know, my goal was to put a smile on everybody's face. And, you know, look, it's always hard to kind of do that, you know, with, with 20,000 people. But that was the really, that was the objective, which was you wanted to make sure that everybody left that building feeling good, 
um, win or lose, if they had a good time at the game, you know, they had a good time. They got to, you know, they got to to to, to interact with, with with other great people and and really had to build that excitement. And I think that's what I wanted. Well, I'd like to see for the fans in the city of Houston uh, because they deserve it. They, you know, this is the best sports town in the city and in, in the country in the world. The Houston fans are the best by far, and we demonstrated that this spring. And I like to see them be able to do that again. And you know, I'm, I'm I'm very hopeful for them that they'll be able to get back out there and do that again. And that's to me at least, again, I, I great fans in this town, and they deserve to be able to have that kind of fun. And I said that was the last question, but give me your odds. That <laughs> let me let me get your odds. Do you think? Give me some odds on uh, the the league resuming successfully, whether it's 2021 or not. What? It, give me some odds. I mean, you're inside. I, <laughs> I you know, I like I'm, I'm not much of a gambler, but I, I would just I like I I'll leave it at this. I think that you know I, I like the events of yesterday were very promising. I think that you know they present themselves to be a great potential ownership group. Uh, I think that with that ownership group in place, um, people should feel pretty pretty happy and excited about the potential for for the league coming back and for a long term success. I think that they're you know it, it, it's always about getting the right people in the right places, and you know I think their commitment level, their expertise, you know so far everything that they've said sounds great. And I am subjective, right? So I'm hoping. You know, my, my odds would be that I hope it's it's 100 percent that they that they do it, you know, and we'll just have to see. But I think, you know, I think that they got, you know, some good people that are coming in to this that I think are going to, you know, they, they've demonstrated themselves in, in everything. Right. And entertainment and sports to 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 know to do it. And we'll see, man, you know, and, and uh, hopefully we'll. We will uh, we'll see some good things because some good things come out of it. Hey, well, look, I want to thank you personally because you guys have been really accommodating. You have uh, you came in early one Saturday morning to hang out <laughs> uh, with my audience, and now you're here on the podcast. So I certainly appreciate the fact that you've been so accommodating. And I, I again, I want the league to succeed. You guys put up uh, put out a uh, first class product, and I hope to see it resume when all of this gets better. So uh, hopefully, we'll be calling you president again. <laughs> well, appreciate it, Devin. Well, thank you. I, I want to see this football. Look, you can never have too much football, right? So, never. <laughs> never <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully we'll have some more football soon. That was our conversation with Brian Michael Cooper. We certainly appreciate him joining us and bringing us some very interesting insight into the XFL and into the Houston Roughnecks. Hopefully the XFL will bring him back because he ran a first-class sort of, I guess, division of the XFL under the XFL umbrella because the Houston Roughnecks were first-class in everything they did. They were great with the media. They were great with the fans. The game day experience was great. And I'm sure Mr. Cooper deserves credit for that with that gonna take a brief time out and of course hear from our sponsor and our resident dj dj anarchy and on the other side our guy eddie robinson former nfl linebacker part of the special teams unit and of course we'll have the woman award all that and more it's the sports talk with devin wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith and 
knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. DJ Anarchy. Welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy on the mix. And just a reminder, if you want your music heard on the podcast, just email us at music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. Well, coming up, the Lamont Award. But first, our special teams unit linebacker, our football expert to talk about basketball and baseball and European sports. None other than E-Rob 50. Here's our conversation with Eddie Robinson. How are you this afternoon? Oh, everything's good, man. Just still, just to still surviving the lockdown. Got a couple good sports on TV. Of course, my Yankees off to a blazing start. You don't want to start talking about baseball. I'll ask you about that. But hold on. So, yeah, I mean, I know you didn't want to start talking about baseball. Yankees winning. Now you want to start talking about what? What ping pong? What, what you want to talk about? No, you the one <laughs> with Formula One, which is, by the way, is kind of boring because Hamilton wins everything. Are you kidding me? That was a great race in uh, in Silverstone this past weekend. What do you mean boring? I mean, the man oh, had a flat. He crossed. Uh, he crossed the finish line. I on the last it. four turns with a flat tire. Was that not exciting? He had like an hour-long lead. <laughs> so, but you didn't th- see th- the Red Bull car almost pass him on the final turn. But I, I will admit, it was a boring race. I actually uh, I tape delayed it because I was riding my bicycle that morning. And uh, and he, he he did flat. He had a huge lead. It was a boring race up to like the last two minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I watched it. Because, Sometimes so, it's like that. Sometimes so when I like watch, this is, this is how good he is. Lewis Hamilton we're talking about. This is how good he is. He is so far ahead during most of the race that they're watching other races within the race. Like, oh, the battle for ninth place. I really don't care about the, like, the battle for ninth place. So I watched it because this is what ESPN will do. On sun, early Sunday mornings, I guess they run them back to back. So right. they'll run the race, take you know, and then they'll start it over for people. So you can see, you know, you can see it again. So yeah, I saw the flat tire. I know he he said his heart stopped or whatever. You know, he he thought it was a big big deal, but I mean, like I said, he had such a he had a thirty second lead, and then I, I guess it dwindled. So he only won by what fifteen seconds. <laughs> no, I was about eight nine seconds. Now I said, so this is the deal. Let me give you a little formula lesson. So the midfield race is hugely important because. You have the drivers' championship, which more than likely Lewis Hamilton is in the drivers' championship. But then you have the constructors' championship. So each car, like Red Bull, is a constructor. Mercedes has a team. Haas has a team. Uh, Ferrari has a team. So each one of those teams, McLaren has a team. They're competing to get constructors' points. So it's two drivers. So say if you win and you win the constructors' championship, then you get X amount of 
millions of dollars and and they they kind of put the money based on how you finish in the constructors championship so the difference between finish fourth or fifth can be like five million which goes back into your budget next year so it's like the rich get richer so that's why those midfield battles why they're not racing for first place it's huge for them to finish high up so then they can of course you know brag we finished third instead of six but then also they get more money for development for the next year so it's a big deal I'm sure there's one person out there that might appreciate what you just told us. <laughs> so so, so well, let me, let me first place you. or no place. That's that's how you do it. Huh? Hey man, look, I, I'm trying to keep up with NASCAR because I'm rooting for Bubba Wallace, but he won't. I mean, he's yeah, he he's not going to even get into the playoffs, man. He was in 20th place for the playoffs. So I'm like, you know, you think that if you focus your energy just like Tiger Woods, that somehow that'll help him. But I don't think that he has the team or the car to compete right now. Let's hope that he can uh, gain some momentum somehow. Maybe some Jay-Z money. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's, that's the huge thing about motorsports. And it's the same thing with Formula One as with NASCAR. You know, it's truly a team sport, and and you have to have everything from the race engineer to the car to the, you know, the guys, the the pit crew changing the tires. I mean, there's so many different ways. It's kind of like the quarterback. You know, the quarterback gets all of the glory and all of the the pain when the team doesn't do well. But of course, you have an offensive line, you have a running back, you have an offensive coordinator, head coach. So it's a lot that goes into it, and that's the same thing with Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he's a great driver, but he's also on a great team. Mercedes gives him a great car. You know, we the last what seven years, so that's a big reason why he's been winning also. And that's maybe what Bubba needs just a little bit better car, a little bit more juice in that engine. Wonder if they if the motorsports could go with something like a salary cap or a, a budget cap, and then that way you could really see if everybody's on an equal playing field. Who could? Are you one like that? About that. But if you're, for, uh, so, okay, if you're if you're Ferrari, if you're Mercedes, and you're putting Ferrari is just you know that's the epitome of Formula One. So if you're putting X amount of research dollars and everything else, you know back when the old man when Enzo Ferrari owned Ferrari, I mean. They would be so good because there was no limit on track testing. And they say he was just a hardcore grinder. So say, for example, how they lost by 10, but they got uh, they were on the podium in third place. But they were having a season like this season where they're down 10, 15, 20 seconds to Mercedes. They would go out and just, and just run the car on the track and just test like day after day after day after day until they got the car faster. You know, it was just it, losing was not an option. So if you're a team that's putting that type of time and dedication and money to the sport, then you should get rewarded right? by saying, hey, we all can only spend $20 million. And at that point, the other guys who aren't working as hard, and maybe they part of it because yeah, they don't, don't have the budget not, to yeah, work Yeah, they don't hard. have the budget so, to work as hard. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So, so, so how do you know who is really, like, the best driver if, if one team has a budget of – a hundred million dollars, and the other one has a yeah, twenty million yeah. dollar. I mean, that, so, think they, about, so think what they're the doing NFL. now. Yeah, they're they're changing the sporting regulations. They were going to change it this year. I mean, next year in twenty twenty one, but because of COVID, they're moving it back to twenty twenty two. So with that, they're trying to you know make the cars less aerodynamic, where you can pass more. So they they're doing some things like you're saying. It's not like a hard salary cap, but they are limiting how much each team can spend, how much each team can spend in the wind tunnel, the salary of the of the overall team. But say Ferrari. They may have like five engineers just working on the front wing, you know, and then you have a team like Haas. They got five engineers working on the whole car. You know, what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you can definitely spend more money to make sure you have a better car. So from what you're saying is true. It's better when when you're watching the race and you don't know who's going to win or every every team at least has a chance to get on the podium. But if you're going and, and you're rooting for 
uh, guy, you know, like Bubba that, Wallace, Kimmy Räikkönen, Kimmy Räikkönen, for example, he's a former world champion, but he's with Alfa Romeo. They, they're just their car is bad, the engine is bad. They got a Ferrari engine, no power. So it's just, I mean, he's never going to get on the podium this year, and, and so that's not good when you have a guy that's a good driver, but he just doesn't have anything to work with. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, fortunately enough, there are salary caps in the NBA, and I want to talk about the NBA return of the ba- okay, of basketball in the here bubble. So I posed a couple of questions uh, on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Facebook page. First of all, which team got off to a better, a more impressive 2-0 start in the bubble, the Rockets or the Raptors? Because both of those teams had big wins in the first two, uh, first two games out. What do you say? Who, who was the most impressive of the 2-0 teams? Well, I, I would probably say Toronto just because, first of all, in order to be the best, you have to beat the best. And, and even with Kawhi Leonard, they're still a champs. You know, so I think those guys, I mean, they've they been able to win without Kawhi. Now, can they get back to beating Milwaukee and win the championship? I'm not going to say for certain. I think, I think they're not picked Toronto to win the championship. Uh, I, I, have the, to, I have to look. I posted it on the website. So it's on the website. I don't think. I, I know I didn't. No, I no, I, I didn't think pick you Milwaukee. Went. Oh, you didn't? Oh, you, you, what about the Lakers? Did you go with the Lakers? I didn't. I definitely didn't pick well, the Lakers. Well, then it was Lakers. the Clippers Overrated. you went with. I think I picked – I know I picked the Clippers. I may have picked Milwaukee just because of the pressure that my son was putting on me. But really, I think in my heart that Toronto can clip Milwaukee because I think that those guys, they play tenacious defense. They play team basketball. They're scrappy, and they're hardcore players. I mean, they, they just have an old style. I mean, oh, you know, Kevin Lowry, you know, he, he still plays hard. Everybody's so close right now that you don't really know 
it's going to come down to the last game or two. So you don't know who's going to be. You can't really predict it. So, I mean, I can, to me, you push hard to get to two. Once you don't get to two, you finish three to six. I mean, all of it's the playoffs. Every team is good. Yeah, OKC, Utah, Denver, all good. I think the Rockets can beat all of them. They're probably the team I would want to match up with is Denver, but they usually play Denver well. I think the team we can beat the best is probably OKC or Utah. But as long as you don't finish seven or eight because you don't want to have to play the Clippers or the Lakers in the first round. Well, so I don't know that you want to deal – I don't know if you want to deal with Jokic, man. I mean, look, we saw the other night how just – really, Antetokounmpo, he could Dallas, just – he could Dallas just, gives me – I mean, Dallas is the team that you can sick on somebody else. If they finish seven or eight, they could – to me, I think they can beat the Lakers or the Clippers. And that, that's – to me, that's what you're hoping for, that one of them kind of, you know, upsets the Lakers so you don't have to mess with them. But I – I don't see the Lakers as a, just a dominant team. I think they're they may be the best team, a better team, but I don't think, especially with no home field advantage. Uh, yeah, well, they got. I, I mean, see. they're missing a couple guards too. You you're missing Avery Bradley, who's not coming, and you're also missing Rondo, who should be back for the playoffs. So. I mean, and again, the Clippers right now, they're kind of wounded in that they're missing a couple of guys as well. So, yeah, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, I picked Toronto to win it all. And, and again, they just match up. They, they're so tenacious. They're so prepared. And you have three or four guys that can give you enough on the night. I think you look at what what did uh, Van Fleet had last night had like thirty some odd points, so he got right, off last night. Right. Then you can have a, a Pascal night, and then or then you can have an Anobi night. So you know they're guys well, on the team. Well, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard was the was the class of the team, but he didn't carry the team. Like he wasn't going for forty and fifteen on a regular basis. He had his nights, and he was you know always very consistent. But he wasn't a superstar on the team. He was a above-average, consistent player. And I think those guys probably have a chip on their shoulder saying, you know what, well, we could win without Kawhi. And I think even though – so, you know, usually when the team wins a championship, you kind of have that tendency to ease back a little bit. I think they're playing kind of like a team that hasn't won a championship because, to me, I feel like they want to prove that we can win without Kawhi. So, Man, I mean, it I, sounds like you've been listening to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast because I said almost the exact <laughs> same thing last time. Yeah, man, man. You, you, you get some good information. You keep listening. Hey, yeah, hey, look that, here. That if you don't copyright it, man, it's all, it's all fair game. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> let me ask you this. So far, so good with the bubble. Of course, we had the, the Lou Williams thing that was blown out of proportion. But... But, oh, yeah, that was yeah, hilarious. Though. Yeah, it's yeah, it's hilarious. And I, I just think the, the NBA, of course, is worried more about messaging than they are because he was going to have to quarantine anyway. I just think that it's it's, it's not good optics to, to be in the strip club because, again, you uh, want well, you want you know, the other guys to take it serious around <laughs> that are in the bubble, you know? That's, well, you know, Black Black Twitter said that LeBron was the one that sent that text <laughs> yeah, message. I saw that. Lou Williams in the strip club. That's W-I-L-L-I-A-L. That's it. So, yeah. So, do you think, aside from the Lou Williams thing, so far, so good. I mean, do you think that they will maintain the integrity of the bubble and get this thing done? Oh, absolutely. I think the NBA has by far the best plan. I mean, even the barbers have to go in there. They have to quarantine, and then they have to test, and then they have to stay in there for four weeks. And so you can't just bring your barber. You got to 
You know, they got one from New York, one from L.A., one from Florida. So, and uh, which I wonder which one cut Brody's head the other night because he had that high and tight. Um, <laughs> look like <laughs> he had that Westbrook had that high and tight military cut. I was like, all right, which barber was that? You I looked at Harden. What is Harden doing? <laughs> Harden didn't look like hey, he, he he didn't gave up a little bit. Which which by the way, I I understand. I haven't had a haircut since March. I don't know if you saw this. Did you see my braids? I, I did. You saw hey, my braids. I did. I did. Yeah. I, I hope you. I hope you undid that. Yeah, yeah I, I did. I saw that. I'm rocking my. I'm rocking my afro. I did it for fun, and but I will say it's convenient with all this hair that I have now. I'm not yeah. brave enough to go sit in somebody, and I don't have like I was between barbers too. So it's not like I have somebody I can trust and I know, okay, he's going to follow all of the rules and guidelines. The protocols. Because right? they scared me early yeah, on. One of these barbershops had exposed 41 people to COVID. I said, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I can see it. I mean, I, you know, luckily I'm, I'm I'm at that age where I can cut my hair at home with the clippers. And so I'm, I'm just one level even, you know, shaving my beard, all that. So I, I don't have to go to the barber. But my kids still go, which – which puts me at risk and, uh, and you know, so far so what, good. What precautions are they taking? Like when you go in there, what are they doing? Are they masked up? Or, and Oh yeah. They're, they're masked up. They have the rubber gloves and they change out each time and stuff like that. So that's, that's the biggest what thing. About the, what about the crew? There's no crew the, uh, mean, like, in, like, in the, in the, in the barbershop. Uh, I mean, you may have like the, the next guy waiting, but yeah, it's not, it's not like, uh, like it's woes. not like on the ice. Not like on the Ice Cube movie where everybody on the South Side hanging out in the barbershop and right. just talking it up. Yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of hurting sports we, talk on Saturdays. We used to have those barbershops listening, man. That's yeah, good. that's gonna that's gonna take a little while for that. But I but I think the the NBA. I mean, I, I, I out of all of the sports leagues, I mean, they're doing by far the best job to have it. You know, once you're in, you're in. If you leave, I don't care what happened. You know, you, you you're going and you're quarantined and you can't come right back. So, I mean, I think they're doing the model. Yeah, that everybody would love to follow, and plus the NBA. The good thing is you only have what thirteen players and not a big staff, so you don't you don't have a whole lot of people on each team. You know, compared to you know baseball, baseball yeah. even has more, and of course football has a whole lot more. So I think the other sports are going to have a huge challenge. NBA just by the fewer number of people and the fact that you can locate all the games in one area. You know, and basketball is one of those sports that. It's great to watch on TV. It's fun. I mean, I'm a season ticket holder for the Rockets, so of course it's fun to see it in person. But you can still enjoy a basketball game on television, and so with the commentary, you you can still enjoy. I mean, what do I you think of the ambient I, noise? And and I mean, because to me, the crowd noise is what's been really impressive. I think for somebody like for people like you and I, we are avid. Sports fans, so we could sit there and watch them in, a, in an empty gym and still have appreciation. But you you don't realize how much that crowd noise, even if it's not an exact replica of the home crowd, is, is just necessary. I mean, I, I listen to baseball, and baseball sounds like you're at the ballpark. It's it's wonderful, man. Yeah, I, I'm good. amazed. And and you really do need the crowd noise. You know, when I was when I was broadcasting the college football games, and when I would. A lot of the HBCU games, but I would do some of the bigger games, or if the games is the classic game, was at a bigger stadium. And it was nothing worse than being in the booth where you couldn't hear any of the noise from the stadium. I mean, it was just locked in, quiet, like a, like a studio. Yeah. And, and when Charlie Neal and I would do the games, the first thing, hey, man, can y'all open this window? Because, you know, the HBCU game, you got the band playing, you got the people cheering, you got the fraternity singing this, and then you got the game. And as an announcer, it's like I can't get into that emotional, like, oh, he's at the 20, at the 10. Oh, that's, did you see that? Like, I can't get that hype 
when it's totally quiet and it's like a studio atmosphere. So I'm sure that the announcers and some of the announcers are at home. So I'm sure that they're having the a challenge to like, because usually the announcers are going to have their voice inflection feed off the crowd. You know, everybody feeds off the crowd. And so, I mean, for you know, like you're saying in baseball, even when, you know, the closer comes out and you coming out to either cheers or booze and it's kind of, you know, era closer has his music. And so I can imagine that is, you know, they say that I, I'm in the bullpen and I can't get over 93. Then I get on the mound and I'm hitting 97. You know what I'm saying? So I, that, that crowd noise definitely is something that is missed by the players and at home. But I, to me, I like having it at home because it just kind of, kind of makes, I would, I wouldn't want to watch basketball. I would where I can hear the sneakers squeaking and, and it's like an AAU game and the ball is going around and the coaches, I don't need to hear all that. Give me a little crowd noise, make it seem exciting. Well, you know, I went if you went to summer league and find it and watch these same NBA guys, not all of them, but uh, you know, a number of NBA guys playing. It's kind of like summer league, but yeah, and, and as it pertains to calling games without crowd noise, I, I've been calling Texas Southern football for twenty six years or something like this. So I have had games, especially late November when we've had a bad year. Like, I, right. we play, like, Pine right. Bluff at the end of the year. It's cold outside, and we're 0-10 on the season. Those are some rough, rough games to, to, yeah, you, to get yeah, through. Yeah, you got, you got two cups of coffee, and you just trying to get, man, let the clock run. Let's get this thing over with. Yeah, and like I said, so I, I've had all sorts of experiences in closed uh, press boxes. I've called games from the roof at Morgan State. Um, we had a, uh, a wasp nest in one in the old Pine Bluff Stadium. So yeah, we we've been through it on the road and uh, some of black, those experiences. Black college story. I guess I probably my worst game. We were at Jackson State in, in Memorial Stadium, they which is a great place corn. to play, by the way. It's, it's a great place to play except when they have a driving rainstorm and there's no way to keep the water out that booth. <laughs> it's a horrible <laughs> place to play. I mean, it was like water coming down the wind. It was it was like one of those like just a a winter's rainstorm because it was the day before it was a beautiful day it was like 50 degrees man the next day was like 30 something i mean i'm sitting up there i can barely talk and you know good thing charlie is a talker so i just let charlie talk the whole thing because my teeth was chattering so i would like give me some more hot waters i'm like sipping on hot water so i can say a couple lines in my because you you know your teeth are chattering you can't say a whole lot and so it was I was like, man, this game don't get over with it. And, and, the, and the wind kept blowing up. I wasn't prepared. I didn't have one of the jackets. I'm just sitting there huddling up like, man, let's get this thing over with fast as we can. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I, the, it was cold in Texas Stadium, the old Texas Stadium at the top. It was really cold when we went up there. We played in, in the game. and it, Yeah, so I've had a couple of those experiences as well. well one, see, that, that's what announcers always say. Hey, it's a great day. This is football weather. It was out there 25 degrees and snowing. Yeah, but you're sitting there drinking hot chocolate with a little ski cap on. Yeah, it's a great day for football weather when you're in the booth. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a great day out there on the field when it's 25 degrees and snowing. It may look good on TV, but trust me, nobody's enjoying that. Yeah, speaking of, we're going to have some spring football in the swag. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's a good idea, and especially financially. If you look at, uh, say, for example, you look at the, the Alabamas and Texas a I mean, they have TV deals. The Power 5 schools, they can make money if nobody's in the stadium. And so for them, yes, do what you can to play football if you can play it safely with the kids, which that's another debate. But with the smaller schools, I mean, you know, we have our classics and we have our big games, but realistically – we're making all of our money off of three games. You know, Alabama State or, or say for Grambling and Southern, you got the, the you know, you got the Bayou big Classic. game against Tennessee State. You yeah. got the Bayou Classic, and you may have a 
you know, a Southern homecoming. Jackson State yeah, home got homecoming. Games. You got homecoming. Correct. So you yeah. probably have three games where you where you're averaging thirty, forty, or fifty thousand. All the rest of the games is ten thousand or less. If I can't pack those three games, then why I'm playing the rest of them? You know so, and then with a smaller budget, just from keeping the kids healthy, with the amount of testing that you have to do for seventy kids and staff and coaches, to me it was just way too risky. I mean, my sons at North Carolina A&T, and they're in the MEAC and HBCU. And so, I, you know, I, as a parent, I'm like, hey, let's try it in the spring. I, I, you have to go with player case safety and kid safety first. And, and the kids aren't immune to catching COVID. I mean, you, do, you don't know. Yeah, most kids are recovering because they're younger, et cetera. But do you want your kid to be the kid the, that the, catches the, the COVID? Pee, because yeah. Of football? Yeah, it doesn't recover. I don't think so. There's layers to that, and we'll, we'll get into that in the future because, again, we won't have college football to talk about, so we'll definitely be talking about some of the decisions that will be made. Well, we may have some Power 5. I, I still – doubt that that's a possibility but we'll see uh, so we have a little bit more time on that want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit of baseball and i know you want to talk about aaron judge let's what is, go yankees <laughs> that's what i want to talk about well they had he had what six uh six home runs in a row six games in a row yeah man yeah, or five in a row was it five aaron, in a row six in a row uh six in a row and county uh actually they're not they're not playing today because uh that I think that hurricane is going up the east coast and they'll play a double hitter with Philly tomorrow. But I mean the biggest thing is Aaron Judge is just starting off on fire. I think he had home runs in what four or five straight I want to say it was five straight games. And man, I'm talking about some clutch ones, you know, like bottom of the eight, down by one and, and he hits a two run shot. So I mean he's just been seeing the ball. If you miss anything waist high this dude is just extending and putting it in the 10th row. So, I mean, you have to throw him low and outside. But the the Yankees, as good as they're playing right now, you kind of always worry when the team starts off too hot because, you know, baseball is a, is a game of averages. But it's only 60 uh, Garrett, games. So it's only 60 yeah, games. Garrett, so you could, yeah, you could, but you, you're going you're gonna to get – you're going to go hot and cold. I mean, they, the, the, uh, luckily, the, the only thing about the Yankees, like last year, is just the injuries. I mean, they have a lineup that's so good that even if – Five guys are on and five guys are off. The five that are on, and you can pick any five, are so good that they can carry the five that's off because, you know, you're not going to be off all the time. And so the biggest thing is can they get some pitching to kind of go with the hitting? I mean, you got a Tanaka that's older. Garrett Cole is, you know, he's, he's what I think, at 18 wins in a row. So he's continuing where he left off from. They have a great bullpen, but I just don't know if they have another starter who's going to step up, especially that first series is a three-game series. And so it's – I mean, that Gary Cole, he he has to be that stud to put that, that game one in the bag, you know, in the playoff start. So, to me, it's kind of the, the really good teams, I would be nervous because you can have an average team. It depends on who you match up in that first round. If they got two stud pitchers, you you know you might could lose the first two games, even though you know you're the better team and in a, and in a seven-game series you would beat them. And so, to me, it's, it's like, man, it, it's just a tough year to be I, – I think this is a great year to be an underdog team. And, and I think, you know, with the extended expanded playoffs, I mean, for the fans, I think everybody will have a chance to be in it. And as long as you make the playoffs, you realistically have a chance to win. Well, yeah, and I worry about, uh, of course, you talk about the Astros. Astros running out almost like a double-A A-team. They had like six guys make their major league debut. So, they, you know, they've had a lot of injuries. They still don't have Arquide or Jordan Alvarez. You, of course, Verlander's down right now. You've had other guys, Osuna, with some arms, a soreness. 
it's it's a rough rough pitching year uh, for the Astros. A lot of uh, you, you had uh, Joe Smith opt out; he didn't even come to play. So that, right. that, and then of course you lose guys like Will Harris. So I mean, it's it's a tough tough year for him. That being said, look, of course you know that offense can save uh, can they save have, you, yeah, and they, they did in, in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. But do you think that Major League Baseball will finish? Because I don't think I think, I think it's it's, it's it's getting to be kind of crazy when you look at how, to, you know, one team has already missed something like seven or eight games. Another team has missed like five or six. There are other teams that are going to miss games. It's like, I don't know where this thing is going to end. Well, I think I think if the if the players are committed to going with the protocol, I think they will, they will finish. And I think it just takes the players to understand the seriousness of it. You know, of course, not at the ballpark, but once you leave the ballpark, you know, when you're on the road, you're in the hotel, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that they have well, about an 80% chance of finishing. Will they finish Ooh, on schedule? That's high. Will hey, they have to, you will they have hey, to push it? Hey, 80%. Yeah, yeah, because huh. keep in mind, they, you can – if you're four games behind, they have a couple of days built in. Like you can you can play two double hitters back to back, back to back. I mean, it's not ideal. It's gonna test your bullpen, but hey, it's what you gotta do in order to to, to finish to get the games back in. I'm and a, so I, I think Yeah, I think I, let me just ask being you, creative. You yeah, know? let me ask you one last question before we let you get out of here. About the the extra inning situation where the guy starts on second base. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, we we played that when I was when I'm coaching little league with our with our uh, you know our summer ball tournament. Um, I I think it's good for this year. I don't. I hope it doesn't continue beyond this year. Uh, but it it gets the game going a lot faster because what you don't want is say if we have a double hitter schedule or I have a double hitter schedule the next day and all of a sudden I play a 15 or 16 inning game. Yeah, I'm gonna have a right fielder out there pitching, you know, just just to get through it. Right? Just beat us already, you know, so we can get to the next game. <laughs> but know, here's the deal with that. So, so what they've done though, even in that, we saw the Astros go what 14 innings, where where yeah. you you so just you think if they didn't have that. But hold on, but listen, <laughs> the, the team already scored. Like, say one team was scoring the top of the 10th, and another team was scoring the bottom of the 10th. So it's like the same thing because all you need is a single, or you need a, a you need yeah, a sacrifice bunt. The- in a in a in a sack fly and and we're tied again. Not instead of three three, now it's four four. Same same situation, you know. Yeah, but statistically, statistically, with baseball, when you get into those extra inning games, the ones that go really long is when the pitching is good and that nobody can score. Usually, if one team scores, it's not too many times where I'm gonna score a run, you gonna score a run. You don't go back well, and forth and tw- match going. We've seen it two or three times already this year, though. Where a team yeah, but score. That's, that's, that's not like I like I told you when I first started. Baseball is a game of averages. You know, you you know, in baseball, you don't judge anything in the first two weeks. It's like the first two weeks is a mirage. It's usually never going to continue like that. You know what I'm saying? And so um, that's just that's just the average. But over 60 games, it's, it was the right thing to do this year because you want to you want to get these games in the books and you don't want to stretch them out and have pitchers going. You know, way more innings and get hurt, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, I think it was something that you had to do. I'm a I'm a baseball purist, so I definitely don't want this to continue into next year, though. Well, there's so many more things we can go into, and we'll get into get into those things next time because there's still some stuff I want to talk to you about with the NFL, and uh, of course, some more angles on some of the new rules in baseball and all of that good stuff. But how can folks hit you up on social media? Oh, I'm just uh, at Erob50 on Instagram and Twitter. 
All right. Well, hey, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. What's coming up next in Formula One? Well, actually, Formula One is back in London. So it's back at the same Silverstone track. I think they have a different name. So don't get confused. Be, I know you're going to be watching. You're like, it's the same track I saw this last week. Is this a replay? I, no, I, don't, know replay. I don't know it's the difference. It's another race, but <laughs> just to cut down on COVID traveling, what they're doing is some tracks, they're going back to back. And it's a it's a different race, but it's still at the same track. So tune in, same bad station, same bad time. Want you to be there with your Lewis Hamilton jersey on, with your little Mercedes flag, and, and be ready to go. All right. So, so do, I think we need to send these podcasts to somebody in England to let them know that a former <laughs> NFL player knows this much. And, and maybe you don't know. Maybe you, I don't. I, it sounds to me like you, you know what you're you talking can't about. Fact check me at all. You don't I know sh- if I'm telling the truth. Or sure not. don't. <laughs> so I think, wow, this guy knows his stuff, and those <laughs> people might be like, oh, oh what oh. an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me let me tell you what you missed out on was the Strati Bianchi. Oh, now that was a great race. That was uh, man. So you, of course, the cycling season has started. So you got classics <laughs> in cycling. So in classics, you have these one day races, and these are like where the hard, the Paris Roubaix, the Tour of Flanders, the Ronde van Lundgren. Yeah, how that go? But anyway, so this past weekend was the Strati Bianchi, which is in Italy. And the, the beautiful part about this race is it's a road race, but they actually go in these white clay. Dirt rolls and it's like everybody gets all muddy. And and Walt Von Erich, which is a cyclocross guy, actually won. He's like an up and coming guy who's switching from cyclocross to road racing. So that was a huge race. And this week is okay. the Milan San Remo. Of course, the Tour de France is <laughs> yeah. starting up too. So I'm gonna have your whole summer package on <laughs> yeah, cycling, buddy. Yeah. We gonna get you. We faded you. Get you on the street. Hey, <laughs> I faded you down for a minute, but I brought you back up because <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah. Now we're too deep in the weeds, man. Look. I mean, if you if you want to get your European audience, man, I'm telling you, you got to go into cycling and Formula One, but buddy. That's assuming you, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's assuming that you actually have knowledge. I, we yeah, don't know. We yeah. don't. I can ask you all day about the NFL and be confident in your opinion because you played, what, 11 years or whatever in the NFL. I can trust that. I have no clue what you're talking about. With you, a Euro sports nerd. <laughs> That's what I'm going to get, I'm get hey, you a hey, coffee hey, mug. Sky, hey, Sky Sports and Euro Sports. I don't even <laughs> need ESPN. <laughs> Man, let's get out of here. But we'll catch up next time. All right. Appreciate it. Our guy, Eddie Robinson, with the European sports, just had a little fun with him. He's our European sports nerd. That's our, that's our new nickname for him as he keeps us up to date with all things uh, I guess cycling and Formula One and whatever else they get cricket at some point. Well, we heard crickets, so I had some fun with him on that. We need to get him a beret and a bottle of Chianti and a one of those long things that you stick the cigarette. I don't know what they call we, uh, the cigarette holder. I guess is what it is. I don't know. We need to get him a beret, Chianti, and a cigarette holder, and he can say wee wee and talk about cycling. But with that, let's talk a little bit about. The Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. 
The Lamar Award goes to the person, team, entity, anybody in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the podcast. And this time out, I'm going back a little bit to Mike Dicka's handlers. Okay, so we know that Mike Dicka is a Hall of Famer, a legendary tight end, legendary coach, 85 Bears. I mean, he is blood and guts and represents all of uh, the monsters of the Midway. Only Singletary and Dick Buckers do it better when it comes to Chicago football and, and of course uh, he's a legend in the Chicago land area he's the dude but he is old and getting older and his views are even older than that and of course when you get somebody in his demographic they're not going to be up on the nuances of the current events of today well he essentially said that he believes that if you take a knee for the national anthem you ought to leave the United States so he has not listened for the last four years to anything that Colin Kaepernick or the Black Lives Matter movement has tried to do. He's not listened to any of that. He's not read an article. He's not heard one conversation, apparently. And, okay, I could get on him. And I could, you know, sort of go and make him the Lamont Award recipient. But I'm not. I, he's, it's not his fault. You know why it's not his fault? He's too damn old to be in front of a camera talking about anything relevant. He is at the, okay, let me tell you this. And this, this is, this is true. It's not right, but it's true. He's at the Bobby Bland era of his career where at this point, it's not his fault that he's in front of the camera. It's the fault of the people who are handling him. What I mean by the Bobby Bland stage of the situation, towards the end of Bobby Bland's life, he was, uh, his performing life for sure, He they, they would have to wheel him out on stage. It was like they just tried to prop him up so he could do a concert, make some money, and do whatever it is, you know, support whoever he needed to support. And, and maybe he didn't even need the money, but whoever saw fit to prop this poor man up who should have been out in his garden somewhere up on a stage in the, on the chitlin circuit to make some money at the end of his career same thing here with mike dicker's handlers somebody should have said because look he didn't even look like he was looking at a camera he it looked like he was on a couch i just saw i didn't study the the video but i've seen the video and it looked like he was looking at an orb into the future talking about the past and he just didn't have a clue what he was talking about and i went on twitter and i said oh buddy ryan won that super bowl anyway and you still owe walter payton an apology and you know and after i thought about that a little bit no 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 somebody there were a lot of gatekeepers that should have said no no mike dicker you will not be on television anymore promoting anything but he's making money he's promoting some product and they saw fit to stick a camera in his face and for that reason all of his handlers are big dummies you big dummy <laughs> <laughs> Mike Dicker, he's a product of his era. You're not going to change this dude. If he hadn't heard or got it in four years of messaging, he either didn't want to get it or it's too complicated for him to get. In any case, he should not be in front of a camera. But with that, before I let go. Before I let go. <laughs>
Before I let go, want to thank Brian Michael Cooper for joining us. Want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Homes. Want to thank E Rob 50, Eddie Robinson. Want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Want to thank you guys. Want to remind you, you can call us 24 hours a day and leave a message 832 941 6614. You can go to the WaysWordProductions.com website, subscribe to the email list, look around, look at all the interesting things that I'm involved in, and we will have poll questions and editorials. You can see everybody's NBA picks too, by the way. Go on the site and look at under editorials. You'll see everybody's picks for the NBA restart. Uh, also, uh, on social media, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook and on Twitter at Wade's Word. And as always, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. <laughs> this has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening. <laughs>